0: Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 104, Put Your Trust in God. The people of Zarahemla had been spiritually fed great doctrine by their prophet king, King Benjamin. They had taken upon themselves the name of Christ, covenanting to do his will and to be obedient to his commandments in all things that he should command them. And they were willing to do this all the remainder of their days. Now, in chapter 6, King Benjamin, he took down all of the names of those who entered into this covenant, and it was everyone, every one of those that had attended this conference, this solemn assembly, if you will. Everyone except the little children took upon themselves the name of Christ, and their names were recorded. Benjamin finished the consecration of his son, King Mosiah, as the new ruler and king over the people, and Included in this process was the choosing and appointing of priests to teach the people so that they might hear and know the commandments of God, and also so these priests could stir the people up to remembrance so that they would remember the covenant that they had made. And after all this was done, which must have felt as exciting to them as it does to us when we have new apostles called, the multitude was dismissed, and all of the families Returned to their own homes. Now, verse 4 through 7 give us some insight as to who this Mosiah was. Is this a good guy or a bad guy? Well, remember, we know that he is named after his grandfather, Mosiah, who was the Mosiah who led a group of people from the city of Nephi. And he was a great man who began the unifying of the people of Nephi with the people of Zarahemla that they discovered. We learn in verse 4, Mosiah is not too old of a guy. He's only 30 when his reign begins. And this all takes place 474 years after Lehi had left Jerusalem. We are closer to the coming of Christ than we are to the departure of Lehi from Jerusalem. Because this is happening a hundred and twenty-five years before Christ will be born. And fortunately for this people, though they're losing their beloved King Benjamin, the scriptures say that he lived three more years and then died. Fortunately, this people, they're getting a good king. He is righteous. The scriptures say, and it came to pass that King Mosiah did walk in the ways of the Lord and did observe his judgments and his statutes and did keep the commandments in all things whatsoever he commanded them. This King Mosiah, he carried on with his father's legacy, his example of working with his own hands to till the earth so that he would not be a burden upon his people. He took to heart his father's teachings. When ye are in the service of your fellow beings, ye are only in the service of your God. Now, three years have passed away and there has been peace in the land. And it was during this time that King Mosiah got an itch. He wanted to know about the group of people that left their midst. Remember this people back in Omni? Remember how Amalekai told us briefly about them? He said that there had been a certain number who desired to return back to the land of Nephi. They desired to possess the land of their inheritance. So they gathered up a big group of people and began their journey into the wilderness. Unfortunately, though, they were led by a mighty strong man who was stiff-necked and caused a contention among the group. All but 50 members ended up being killed during a conflict that happened there in the wilderness and they returned back to Zarahemla. We'll learn in a couple weeks when we study Mosiah 9 what the conflict was about. But right now, all that Mosiah knows is that when this first group returned, they only just gathered more people to go back and to try again. In fact, Amalekai tells us that it was a considerable number of people, including his own brother, And Several years have gone by and the people of Zarahemla haven't had any communication with this second group. They don't know what's come of them. And from what I can gather, I assume they left sometime early in the reign of King Benjamin. And now King Mosiah desires to know concerning them. In fact, I love the wording in Mosiah 7. Verse 1, so I'll just share it with you. He desired to know about them, for his people had heard nothing from them from the time they left the land of Zarahemla. Therefore, they wearied him with their teasings. Now, for the next several weeks, we get into some fascinating accounts about how the Lord manifests himself to his people based on their devotion to him and the point that I desire to make right now at the very beginning, and if you forget everything else, take this home with you. The Lord never forgets His people. Transgression and the use of our agency may make Him feel far from us or cause us to not hear or see Him, but it isn't because He has given up on us or forgotten us. Because look here, all these years later, The righteous King Mosiah is wearied of their teasings and he desires to know concerning them. Now, I've told you I will always be clear (laughs) when I know that I'm making an assumption and I'm making one right here. I have concerns about this group of people who left. I have concerns about the choices they were making to return back to the land of Nephi to return back to a land that the Lord led them out of. He had provided them a prophet there in Zarahemla. They had a good king that was uniting two groups of people and also who was righteously serving them. I've always been concerned about the wisdom to return back. We know the first group soured greatly. They desired to shed blood, even if it was the blood of the Lamanites. Oops. (laughs) that's a little bit of a spoiler alert, well, their desire did lead them to shed blood, even if it was among themselves. Regardless, though, these were the Lord's people and he was concerned about them. And for whatever reason, which we'll discover in just a few minutes, now was the time for the people of Zarahemla to turn their attention towards them. God does not abandon his people. He might need to withdraw for a while because of the direction that our hearts point. But I believe the moment that we start to redirect our hearts, bam, he's there. And the people of Limhi are a perfect illustration of the characteristic of God. He is merciful. He is the giver of good gifts. He is not a respecter of persons. If you choose him, you are his chosen. And he is love. Okay. So concern for these Nephites that have left have been placed upon the mind and heart of King Mosiah. And I believe this is a tender mercy. This is how our Lord works. And as covenant keepers, we can be the Lord's angels on his errand. We can have people placed upon our minds that we need to be concerned for and look out for and reach out to. And Mosiah permitted 16 men, one of them named Ammon, who is a strong and mighty man, to be their leader, to go to the land of Nephi. And in the scriptures, it will be referred to as the land of Lehi-Nephi from here on out. But it's the same place. But they've been given the charge to gather information on these Nephites who left years earlier. And something that's interesting to me, Ammon wasn't a Nephite. He was a descendant of Zarahemla. He had never been to Lehi-Nephi before. And they wandered 40 days in the wilderness looking for this land until finally they found it. And it's just worth noting, the Lord, he didn't make this journey easy for them. This was a hard journey. Ammon and his men suffered hunger, thirst, and fatigue. Here they were on an errand from their king, and their journey takes longer And it's obviously more difficult than they anticipated, but they didn't give up. And now they have finally found the land that they were looking for. And at a safe distance, Ammon and his men pitch their tents, and Ammon takes three men and they go down into Lehi Nephi. Now it just so happened that as they approached the city, the king and his guards happened to be outside the city walls and being strangers to the city, Ammon and his men were taken, bound, and cast into prison. For what, you might ask? For daring to come near the walls of the city when the king was without the gate. Does this king appear to be a little uptight? Well, once you learn his story you'll discover that he has good reason to be. His name was Limhi. He was the son of Noah, who was the son of Zenith. Zenith was the leader of the second group of Nephites who left Zarahemla. Ammon had found the people whom Mosiah was concerned about, and once King Limhi allowed Ammon to speak and to introduce himself, he was able to learn of Ammon's origins. And King Limhi now could rejoice because not only did he discover that the people of Zarahemla were still alive, but King Limhi saw Ammon and his brothers as their deliverers. I wonder if at this point, if Ammon saw himself in the same way that Limhi saw him. I wonder if Ammon was prepared to deliver a people I wonder if he was prepared to lead a group out of bondage and to bring them back to Zarahemla. Had an intelligence gathering mission escalated into an exodus, it'll be really interesting to observe Ammon for the next few chapters and to watch him rise to the occasion. And I'm just speaking off the cuff here, but how many of us have found ourselves in this same position of Ammon while doing our ministering, or being a friend or a sister, how many of us just thought we needed to be nice and, and check on someone and found that they were in need of much, much more than that. So, for the next couple of weeks, let's keep an eye on Ammon and observe his, his flexibility and his resilience as the circumstance changes greatly for him. Now, I'm not sure if it's Mormon's abridging style or not, but this King Limhi, I like him. (laughs) He appears direct. He appears like he's a mover and a shaker. Remember, for those of you familiar with the Book of Mormon, he is the son of the wicked King Noah, and Limhi is the son who inherited the mess of a kingdom that his father left behind. Limhi, however, appears to be righteous, and his heart appears to be pointed in the right direction, the direction of the Lord. His people, because of their transgressions, the wickedness of his father, and because of the wickedness of his father's priests, the people have been brought into bondage, and their burden is significant. Nephite lives have been lost because of the Lamanites. And they have been required to give the Lamanites half of all of their possessions. Also, they must give half of their corn, half of their barley, all of their grain, and half of the increase of their flocks and herds to their slave masters. And what did this people do that removed them from the protection of the Lord for a period of time? Limhi, he gathers the people together at the temple so that he could share with them the good news and the renewed hope that these visitors from Zarahemla have brought. Limhi is direct with his people. Their transgressions are what have permitted the great evil of bondage to come upon them. In the past, they had not hearkened to the Lord. They had allowed contentions to rise among them, even shedding one another's blood. They had killed a prophet of God, we will learn about the great Abinadi in coming weeks. And the reason that they killed Abinadi was because of the message that this prophet delivered. He testified of Jesus Christ that Jesus will come, that Jesus Christ was the father of all things and that he would come to earth and take upon him the image of a man. In fact, Abinadi testified that man was created after the image of God. And because of these teachings, Abinadi was slain. Yes, the people had brought about their own sufferings. How could the Lord be amongst them with the decisions that they're making? Now, I find this interesting. According to the time periods given in our chapter headings, Abinadi most likely delivered his message about 20 years before King Benjamin's address to his people where he too testified of Jesus Christ, about his coming to earth and about his mission to bring unto us salvation and a righteous judgment. Twenty years earlier, Abinadi came among the Nephites who had returned to the Lehi-Nephi land. And so wicked had they become that they didn't simply reject his message, but their government, their king and his priests cast him into prison and eventually burned him to death. There appears to be a significant loss of being in tune with the Lord and his purposes as they withdrew themselves away from their Lord's servant in Zarahemla. So much so that when the Lord sent another servant unto them, they did not even recognize him as being from the Lord. They didn't hear him any longer. They didn't recognize the voice of the Lord. Compare that to the experience of the people of Zarahemla, who had stayed by their prophet, who had stayed where the Lord had guided them. Compare their lack of contention in the land. Compare their fortune of having righteous leaders to lead and to teach them. Compare the immediate acceptance of their prophet king's message. And compare the change that came over them. Their rejoicing and purifying because of the spirit of the Lord God Omnipotent. Compare how they were given a chance to make covenants. Notice how they were given the opportunity to be spiritually begotten sons and daughters of Jesus Christ by taking upon themselves the name of Christ and then having their hearts changed. Then notice how they were then placed in a position, first by their king, having placed upon his heart concern for his missing brethren and now Ammon and his men being placed in a position to deliver their brethren who had been through so much and now whose hearts were softening through a lot of affliction but they were softening and they were ready to be delivered. The Lord remembers his people. He gives them space to figure it out. He blesses abundantly those who choose him, and he allows affliction to be our teacher. And when we begin to choose him again, when we submit and we become meek and humble, when we exercise patience and love, he provides a way for our deliverance. This is the pattern for heavenly intervention in our lives. He is a God of deliverance. He's good at it too and has been doing it as long as there's been man here on earth. And during King Limhi's speech to his people who had gathered at the temple, Limhi brought to their remembrance of the great deliverings that the Lord has done for his people. He reminded them of how God had brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, how he had parted the Red Sea so the children of Israel could walk through on dry ground, how he had provided manna in the wilderness for their nourishment. God provides and he reminded them how the same God had brought Lehi out of the land of Jerusalem and how God had even kept and preserved the people of Limhi. He reminded them it wasn't God who let them into bondage, but it was their own iniquities and abominations that brought them to this point. Remembering is such an important step in our process of changing our hearts and making covenants with God. Remember how He delivers. To remember how He has made us mighty in the past. To remember when we have felt Him and His love and His influence in our life so that we can crave it to be back in our life once again. Remembering is the sustaining fuel to our faith and to our hope. And after King Limhi remembered, he saw the beginnings of his own deliverance and the deliverance of his people. He saw the hand of the Lord in the coming of Ammon and his brethren unto them. He warned the people when he said, I trust there remaineth an effectual struggle to be made. To be delivered was going to take some hard work on their part. This wasn't going to be easy, but this good king This direct and this assertive king appeared to be ready for the struggle. King Limhi, he was ready to submit, even if that meant submitting and being in bondage to the Nephites. But most importantly, he was ready to submit to God. He counseled his people to lift up your heads and rejoice and put your trust in God. He called them to remembrance of the deliverance that the Lord has done for his children. He reminded them of the consequences of their choices, but also the choices of their past leaders. Even Zenith, who had been overzealous and had made ignorant treaties with the Lamanite king, these choices had led them down a path of bondage. He also reminded his people about God and God's character, he reminded them that the Lord will not succor his people in the day of their transgression. But I will hedge up their ways, that they prosper not, and their doing shall be a stumbling block before them. If the Lord's people will do works of filthiness, it will be poison unto them, and will bring about their destruction. And King Limhi's people, they knew the truth of the Lord's words. They had been smitten and afflicted. And the king essentially told the people, a light had come to them, a chance to turn things around, a chance to submit. He counseled them to turn to the Lord with full purpose of heart and to put their trust in the Lord, to serve him with all diligence of mind. And if they did this, the Lord, according to his own will and pleasure, will deliver them out of bondage. It wasn't going to be easy. There were obstacles to overcome. It's not like they're just going to be able to walk past the Lamanite guards. Or will they? I hope as you've listened to this retelling of the people of Limhi, and the beginnings of a great change to come to them, that you can liken these scriptures to yourself. Are you in need of change? Has transgression or iniquity and abominations made you not squared up with the Lord? I know that can sound harsh, but I think even anger left unchecked can place us at an arm's length distance from the Lord, leaving us vulnerable and subject to bondage. The adversary, he will take half the love you possess half the fruits of good works that you are capable of growing and producing, and he will leave you bearing grievous burdens that you just don't need to bear. Regardless, the moment we turn our heart back to him, when we begin repenting by changing our mind, considering a different way, or really just accepting Christ's way, we can begin to invite him back in. That's when we permit him to do his great work in our lives at delivering us. That's when we show our trust in him, our turning to him, our full purpose of heart focused on his ways and serving him with all diligence of mind. Maybe that looks like praying for those who have offended you. Maybe that looks like reaching out and befriending someone in need. Maybe that looks like managing your mind instead of allowing the natural man to manage you. All of this allows him, according to his own will and pleasure, to deliver you out of bondage. Sister Scriptorians, go to sisterscriptorians.com and download the Ponder Prompt for this episode. Where are you in bondage in your life? And how can you prepare yourself for deliverance? The Lord loves you and needs you to choose to start the process of permitting yourself to be delivered. Delivered from that which is draining you so that you can grow and produce good fruits and be free.